politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and scorned taxpayers, subjects living under tyranny to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house for a brand new live show here on Tuesday And while many are taking off this week, I promised you I would be back at least as much as I can make it. Still feeling a little under the weather from this virus, but certainly glad to be back with you guys. And you know, I was thinking, I woke up yesterday with just nasty vertigo. I mean, I literally could not get out of bed for a couple of hours until I did this show. And I was thinking, imagine if you told people prospectively, you're all going to get a virus that your head's going to spin for a day. It's pretty scary right? But during sane times, we call it life. We all kind of live with with viruses, and um, but not anymore. We don't have any liberty left. But alas, we get our checks and our money. I want to tell you very clearly why Trump is screwing us. And, I, and I'm sorry, I told you this week I'm going to speak the truth about him because I've really had enough of this. After screwing us on every single budget bill, and by the way, I have an article out where I document every single budget bill or major spending bill. And it's not just the spending figures, but it's the policies that are greenlit or not defunded in those bills. The leverage that was foregone in those bills. What is it? One, two, three, four... Seven, eight, nine. I'm just counting up here. I count nine bills, nine major bills. You know, some people could do it differently, but every different one, every every one, garnered more support from Democrats than Republicans. In other words, GOP leadership and the majority of Republicans in most cases supported it, but to the extent you had opposition, it was from conservative Republicans. So here we have this fake fight. Oh, man, look at the we're, we're, we're torn apart, right? This side versus that side. But really, it's the Bolsheviks versus the Mensheviks. Because think about it. Trump is the most contentious president to the left, right? But in reality, when it came to the budget bills that defined all of the policies of the last four years, not just the spending figures and the debt and the fact that that we've accrued $7.4 trillion in debt or $7.6 trillion in debt, under this president, uh, more than the $5.8 trillion under Obama's first term. But the policies, the fact that we didn't address any of our pressing needs on immigration, on crime, and we're going to talk about more with crime, the sickness that's going on with criminals getting away with literally murder while we are treated as criminals. But this was all done because of these budget bills. Now Trump's like, Hey, Democrats, can you please give me another $2,000 check for, you know, these checks for everyone? And of course, nearly every Democrat plus 44 rhinos joined with Trump. And um, likely the Senate will follow suit and Trump will sign it. We're all socialists. Now, I know some of these like populist nationalist types agree with Trump like, yeah, well, if the foreign aid is coming, then we should get our checks. That, that's a nice talking point. Don't have the foreign aid, but don't have the socialism either. The answer is not indiscriminately throwing out money to every last person. For two reasons. 
Number one, it's fundamentally unfair when you have small businesses shut down, restaurant owners who work very hard and earn the tad over 150000 family, or if they're single, it's just 75000 and phased out till 99000 on last year's taxes, but then this year they're destroyed. They don't get any money. Oh, well, there's PPP. Yes, yeah, show me how many, how many sole proprietorships have actually gotten money from that. Yet yeah, someone like me, I'll mention myself. So now you know I earn under 150000 family income. And I got four kids. Now, maybe it'll only be three because it goes on last year's taxes. I had a baby this year. But if I had four, that would be what? Under this new bill, $6,400. And again, I could be a big hero. Oh, well, I didn't lose any money. But that's the point. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people did. Republicans should be using this bill as leverage for two things. Number one, prohibiting states from locking down. It violates the 14th Amendment. And number two, to the extent you're shelling out cash, it should be in the form of reparations to those who are locked down or to take that money out of state budgets unless states compensate. You could do it in a few different ways. But to indiscriminately toss thousands of dollars at everyone, which is way too much for people that didn't lose anything and way too little for those that lost everything. If that's not socialism, I don't know what is. But there's a a second more fundamental reason that's problematic with what Trump and the rhinos and Democrats are pushing. And that is, I don't want people to be fat and happy. This is why we have gone so far into the abyss in this country But there's no rebellion because we have the printing press. At no other time in history and no other country in in global history did we have a scenario where you could just pay people off to to be happy. And so many people will be getting thousands of dollars of free money and will deflate that pressure, that building, that mounting revolution that we need. There's a reason we had Shays Rebellion. They didn't have the ability to service the debt, and that was the problem. They couldn't pay the soldiers after the revolution, and people felt desperate, and they rebelled. That's what we need. And it was a pressing problem where the people forced them to come to the table and come to the Constitutional Convention, and that's what we need. We need pressure to mount that we force a constitutional convention-style meeting of the minds where we change directions dramatically from where we are now. If it's only in a couple of states, then that's fine as well. We'll go there. But doing this, this is part of this, I call it the low-tax socialism, where everyone's fat and happy, and you have a corrupt crony capitalism, you have corrupt corrupted values, you have lockdowns, you have mask wearing, you have rampant crime. But we all somehow earn a living, except for, of course, those who don't. But unfortunately, small business owners are are not a majority. Republicans should have had a provision that government workers, at least beyond a certain level, at least at the ES level, the executive scale, 
should not get paid until the lockdowns end. This is also, by the way, something I'm going to be pushing, at least at a state level, when state legislatures convene in January, most states, among other things, government workers should not get paid. As long as American people aren't getting paid. And I don't know if some of you saw it, but there was this video circulating on the web of this business owner, restaurant owner in California who went and he said, look, I'm desperate. In an act of desperation, he said, look, I'm, I'm a law-abiding guy. He went and took his, he had a big like pickup truck. He blocked in the car of the health inspector who came and was chasing people off of public benches, meaning he wasn't even having his own chair set out up for outdoor dining. People would order and then just eat like on a public bench there and they chase them off. And then the cops come down and he looks them in the eyes and says, you're getting your paycheck. Why can't I get mine? How do I pay my workers? So I don't want government to come in. Oh, here's unemployment benefits. Here's $2,000 check per person. No. That's going to fuel this even more. You know, Larry, Larry Schweikert had a great um, Twitter thread explaining how things have gone off the rails for the last 30 years in government where the needs of the people aren't being addressed on any of these pressing issues. And that's because we don't have a seat at the table. That's because we don't have a party that represents us. Typically, if one side is doing something bad like crime, there was an outcry in the 80s and 90s to do something about crime, early 90s, and they did something. We don't have a party anymore. So that's why in all these budget bills that Trump signed, guess what? They didn't address our grievances. Any of them. And then you have the flip side, the NDAA, where Trump is good, but then we can't have nice things because the Republican Party is bad. So the House voted to override his veto overwhelmingly. I think just 50 or 60 Republicans side with the president. I have the same thing in the Senate. And again, we have a defense bill that funds defense of every other country except for our own. Doesn't deal with the China threat. The visas from China, which needs to be dealt with in the NDAA, doesn't deal with arming our soldiers on bases, doesn't deal with ending this foreign military training of Saudis on our bases. To just name a couple of issues. Nothing. None of this is addressed in the NDAA. And of course, not Section 230. And this is where we are. But I want to get to some other issues here as well. But again, folks, it's the Bolsheviks versus the Mensheviks. Imagine if you spent a significant amount of your time obsessing about whom to pick in that fight. Even if legitimately there is a slight difference at a given time where one might be better for you. Are you going to sit and obsess and have a fake fight over the Bolsheviks versus the Mensheviks? No, you're going to spend 99% of your time doing everything you can to ensure that there is a third option, really a second option, on that menu. So that's where we are. With between the bad Republicans and Trump, we're getting screwed on the budget. We're getting screwed on corona fascism. We're getting screwed on crime. That's another thing. You have rampant crime in these cities 
where they are using coronavirus to let go criminals and Republicans just agreed, including Trump, to throw a bunch of money at these states. One other observation before we go on to crime. Let me tell you a sick irony that I think is lost on a lot of people. All this money we're paying, trillions of dollars, do you know who is going to be saddled with it? The twisted irony is the very children that are abused by this generation because of coronavirus, when it doesn't affect them, they are not, they don't harm adults with them. It has been proven over and over again that they are not harmed and they are not primary vectors of spread to themselves or to other adults. This bill makes those children pay for the rope to hang themselves. It throws $82 billion at the education cartel, abusing them in school or shutting down schools. And then guess who's going to be saddled with the debt? Guess with which uh, generation is going to be saddled with that debt? Yep, those same children. What a sick, demented country we have become. Speaking of sickness, so obviously you've seen the statistics. 51 major U.S. cities have an average increase in murder this year of 35%. Shootings are up up the wazoo. They're up like 118% in Minneapolis, many other cities. Let me introduce you to Jordan Benjamin. Who's Jordan Benjamin? Well, there's many people like him. This happens all too often. It's probably the most common form of crime going on now in terms of violent crime. Juan Fresnada, 60-year-old guy, was walking Christmas Eve just about a year ago, 2019, um, and he was surrounded by a group of teens. One or two of them were, were over 18, Benjamin at the time was just 15, and this is becoming very common. Some of them are even 12, 13 these days. And you have fully grown, hardened criminals that are teens that surround an individual. Oh, they're not a threat. Well, they're just at least as much of a threat as anyone else. And they basically robbed the guy for a dollar, beat him, and stomped him with a metal garbage can until he died. Christmas Eve 2019. And he is arraigned along with other suspects. This is Jordan Benjamin. He's now 16 years old. He was 15 then. She was charged with second degree murder and gang assault. And he was confined to a juvenile facility in Brooklyn. Now, I want to get to the second degree in a minute. I'm going to hold that thought for a minute. But let me just say this. Come March, this piece of scum was let out by an even even bigger piece of scum in my mind, Supreme Court Justice Dennis Boyle, and he needs to hear from all of us, Dennis Boyle, because of coronavirus. Because evidently in this guy's perverted, polluted mind, there's a greater threat of a 16-year-old dying from COVID by being in a facility than someone else getting harmed by letting this guy out. So he's let out in March. This guy brutally murdered someone and he is let out. 
Well, just two weeks ago on December 14th, he was arrested again for allegedly stabbing Amya Hicks. Um, I don't know how old she is, but probably 18, 19, 20, something like that. A young woman in the Bronx in the stomach. Random attack. The woman had to undergo surgery for her wounds. Before she got out of the hospital, according to the New York Post, Justice Dennis Boyle, that same dirtbag judge, sprung Benjamin from jail again. And he's out in the streets. Oh, and by the way, thanks to New York's new disclosure law, Benjamin's lawyer, which of course he'll always get because the two-tier justice system, they'll always get lawyers, but we don't have anyone to defend us with corona fascism. We can't even get lawsuits going for that. But he, he always he has a lawyer, they all do. He gets to find out all of the contact information of victims and witnesses while he is out on the streets. And by the way, he hangs out with his gang, because they all hang out in groups, of course. Just two blocks from Amya Hicks. A couple things I want to touch on here. We have a broken juvenile system that Reagan identified 40 years ago when we were tougher on juveniles as pathetic. And it's only gotten worse and worse and worse. Juveniles have gotten more and more violent. I don't mean, we're not talking about shoplifting. We're talking about in fact, the most brutal gang attacks like surrounding and just randomly beating people, that is the biggest threat to individual liberty to just walk the streets. That is the biggest public safety threat. They are disproportionately done by juveniles, actually. They never get jail time. These people should get the death penalty for what they do. Reagan's task force on victims of crime. Yes, back then we had a task force on what to do for victims of crime, not for criminals like we have today by Republican presidents, including Trump, by the way. He observed presciently, quote, a substantial proportion of the violent crime in this country, this is 40 years ago, was committed by juveniles who are becoming more violent at an increasingly early age. This is what he wrote in 1981. Armed robbery, rape, and murder cannot be laid at the door of mere immaturity or youthful exuberance. The victims of these crimes are no less traumatized because the offender was underage. This is what we have in our country now. You have a reign of terror, of packs of roving youths, and these bastards in the system, the politicians, the judges want to tell us we're too tough on them, particularly blacks, when it's not true, it's just the opposite. That is our our juvenile justice system. Even murder doesn't get them locked up. Even a murder and another attempted murder and stabbing doesn't get them locked up. And coronavirus, the same coronavirus that is being used to lock you and me up, is being used to spring the most violent people, including youngsters, evidently, that coronavirus, meaning even if you felt that we have to have mercy on murderers who are 60, 70, 80 years old in jail, these guys, certainly, this is not a threat to them. New York City alone has seen a 103% increase in shootings this year. Yet both parties, Republicans too, we need police reform, as if, like, the problem is that, like, police are too tough on them. I mean, they're too tough on us, but too tough on them. Do you know that in 2018... 
there were just five NYPD killings of civilians, and I'm sure all of them were justified. In 1971, there were 93. That trajectory is way down. The trajectory of criminals murdering people is way up. And yet both parties, the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks, are focused on which trajectory? The positive trajectory. Because we don't have a seat at the table in a system run by the Bolsheviks or the Mensheviks. Victims of crime, taxpayers, business owners simply do not matter in this two-tier justice system. Now, I want to get back to the two-tier justice system, but I just want to make one other observation. You know, we need, and I'm going to be pushing this in the States, and, and, and we should have an army of people around me. I shouldn't be the only conservative intellectual pushing this. But we need a task force on victims of crime to identify every step of the justice system that allows violent criminals to be released, people to be needlessly victimized. And among them, obviously, will be true criminal justice reform, which, by the way, that term was dubbed by Reagan in 1982, the Criminal Justice Reform Act, which meant reforming the other way. We need juvenile justice reform. But another thing is we need more up-to-date and relevant classifications of murder and assault. And what I mean by that is this. You You might have noticed something very interesting in this story. Now, you can't think of a more evil, demonic, gruesome public safety threat than someone who is prone to to travel in gangs and randomly grab people off the street and beat them to death. Okay, I mean, that, that, that in your mind is like level one, tier one, right? But notice he was charged even initially. I mean, forget about what's going to wind up happening to him. Even if he were an adult, it would be pled down to third degree, less than that, probably just assault in the end. But initially, even at the front end, notice he was only charged with what? He was charged with second degree murder. Now you might say, well, Daniel, well, look, I mean, you know, it's a a very technical definition. First degree is premeditated. That is my point. Those statutes need to be updated. The problem is we have the punishment based on degrees of technical planning of a murder. I've said this point before, but I want to reiterate it because I haven't seen people making this point. One of the things I've learned from watching many of these cases from afar throughout the country is this. Very often, second-degree murders are actually more of a public safety problem than first-degree murders. First-degree typically are carefully planned. What's carefully planned? They're very intimate. In other words, it's typically a crime of passion. Someone wanted to bump off a guy because of money, because of you know a a partner or spouse cheating on them, a crime of of passion. You know, it's it's the stuff that movies are about, the CSI stuff. Now, I'm not saying those aren't bad crimes and the people shouldn't get the death penalty and punished and whatever, but technically, from a public safety standpoint, those people usually aren't necessarily a threat to anyone aside from that person that they murdered. 
I'm not saying they should be let, let out. They shouldn't be. But theoretically, if you would let them out, often they will not commit another murder. The, the, the truly problematic people are the people that ran the knockouts, the people that travel in gangs and randomly rip people to shreds on the streets because it's random. They'll do it again. Often there's there, there's often a lot of drugs and homelessness. They're mentally ill. They're demonic. They, they, they can't control themselves. From a public safety standpoint, those are the people that absolutely need life sentences, if not the death penalty. But by definition, those things are never premeditated. By definition, they automatically start at the highest level of second degree. That immediately takes a life sentence down to 10 years. And then it only goes down and down and down from there by the time the dirtbag lawyers and judges are done. That is something that needs to be addressed in true criminal justice reform. That the punishment needs to be pegged in a way that will accurately reflect the threat assessment from that perpetrator. Call it whatever degree you want. But someone who is a part of a gang, or an individual too, but certainly in a group, that just randomly beats people to death on the street, I mean, I mean, you really should get the death penalty, but if not that, certainly life without parole. But what I'm telling you is it's very hard to get that because these people are almost always, always, always at least second degree. Same thing if the person doesn't die. He's charged with aggravated assault. It's never first degree. That is a huge problem. But anyway, name me the state. Name me the state out of the 24 states where Republicans have the trifecta, 31 where they have the legislatures. Name me a state where they're getting tougher on crime. The only one I know is Ron DeSantis in Florida who plans on doing that. And I don't even know if the legislature is going to join with him. You know, it's like whenever you have one, you don't have the other. If you have a good governor, you have a horrible legislature and the opposite. So Let's go to Ohio. This is from NBC4 News. This week, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signaled he was disappointed after the state legislator passed a controversial stand-your-ground measure during the lame duck session. He says he will address a possible veto later this week. Stand-your-ground was placed on Senate Bill 175, passed by the legislature late last week. Current Ohio law requires someone to first attempt to retreat before using deadly force in self-defense. Any place that is not their vehicle or home, this bill removes the words vehicle and home, and instead people will have no duty to retreat as long as they are lawfully able to be somewhere. So this dirtbag governor who is criminalizing the lives of everyday Americans is now giving another handout to criminals and preventing self-defense. A war on businesses, a war on your own lungs to breathe without a mask, and a war on self-defense. You know, the things we used to call fundamental rights. This dirtbag. Utter dirtbag. This guy's up for re-election. The primary is in like in a year and a half. How could this guy get re-elected in a primary? 
You want to talk about Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. I mean, literally, you look at Mike DeWine in Ohio and Gavin Newsom in California. I challenge you to show me a single difference between those two individuals. But you have no right to self-defense. But if you're of the right ilk, fighting for the right cause, you have the right to self-offense against someone. Right? Remember we talked about that guy who ran over the Proud Boys kid in Washington, D.C.? He's not even getting charged. Then we have this two-tier justice system. This is from Daniel Greenfield, front page mag, excellent reporter. Black Lives Matter can smash up America's statues, but no one may touch its statues. How dare you take a bat to the girlfriend of an attempted cop killer? Have you no decency with this brazen act of statue vandalism? Oakland's ceramic bust of Breonna Taylor smashed in brazen act of vandalism. CBS 5 San Francisco. It's okay, just think of Brianna as one of America's founding fathers and it'll be okay. Here's how CBS 5 reported other statue vandalism. The statues of Junipero Serra, Francis Scott Key, Ulysses Grant laid on the ground in the pre-dawn darkness of Golden State Park Saturday toppled broken into face by a large crowd of Juneteenth protesters who gathered Friday night to demand an end to racial injustice. Christopher Columbus statue removed from Cult Tower. Removed. The statue's removal comes amid an ongoing push to remove monuments to historical figures associated with racial injustice as the nation wrestles with questions about race. There we go, folks. We are a racist nation. At least at a political and legal point. Most people in this country aren't. They treat everyone based on merit. That's how normal people are. But at a legal and political level, this is a racist, black supremacist, reverse Jim Crow country. And you could take that to the bank. And I'm sick of hearing otherwise. I'm just just tired of this. But again... We don't get an airing. We don't get an airing of our grievances. This is where we are, folks. And we're never going to get an airing of our grievances. We can't even pass stay near ground laws in the state of Ohio. I'm just going to jump around to some random stories just to make sure we don't lose you know, some of the focus this week. Federal judge has blocked two Georgia counties' attempts to remove over 4,000 voters from elect- electoral rolls ahead of the June 5th runoffs. This is from Axios. Who is the federal judge? Leslie Abrams Gardner, the sister of Stacey ha- Abrams. So, folks, remember we talked about these phony conservatives who were like, Daniel, um, it's not right to go to the Supreme Court because the law that the states get to do what they want. Except they don't get to do what they want. It's one directional in this two-tier justice system. You see the lower courts come in and don't allow states to enforce, you know, the cleaning of voter rolls. The federal courts get involved, but only in one direction. 
Are you starting to see a pattern here? The two-tier justice system. Again, because the political system has created chosen people and chosen causes. And they make that the new equality. Now, typically you'd say, well, the party representing everyone else would fight back. They wouldn't allow that to happen, right? Well, what do you do if both parties are on the same side? Um, we focus on electing more Republicans. Uh, no. No, that, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't cut it. But this is where we are. You know, you know we have more justice in, in some European countries, I pointed this out, than in America. Um, remember how we talked about in Portugal, we had a court say that PCR testing over 25 CTs were false positives and it violates due process rights to quarantine someone based on a positive from those tests. We can't get that in America, such a court ruling. Well, here's another, um piece of news from a different European country, Austria. Austria's constitutional court ruled Wednesday, this last Wednesday, that two government measures to fight the spread of coronavirus in schools, compulsory mask wearing, and splitting classes into two halves to be taught in alternative shifts were illegal. In addition, it was decided that all persons present in school buildings, apart from during teaching, had to wear masks, right? Just like in America. But the court ruled that those measures were illegal. They ruled that the ministry has not made clear why it considered those measures necessary. Because more and more we're seeing two things. Masks don't help, and kids aren't a threat anyway. It's not a threat to them beyond any typical seasonal disease. And in fact, kids in school are doing better this year than a typical year because the flu is gone. Literally. What's the latest data on that? Phil Kirpin, my buddy Phil, had this out. Let me just look. For week 51, I believe that is the second week of December. The five-year average in, in testing for the flu is 15.8% positivity. This year, it's 0.1. That's like 1 16th. Okay? 1 16th. Okay. In other words, typically for this week, if you would add up the CDC flu surveillance data for this week in December, I mean, this reporting week, it was two weeks ago, five-year average, there would be 4,278 cases. Okay. We're going to do a little bit of math here. 4,278. This year, do you know how many cases there were? 36. Okay. 36. Let that sink in for a minute. 0.008% of the average. There we go. There we go. So kids are actually having the best go of it than ever before. I mean, this is true of everyone. No one's getting the flu. 
but kids do get sick from the flu. They do pass it on. They're, they're a primary vector of spread. Here they're not. Austria, the courts are recognizing that. In America, no amount of data and science we put out will ever matter. And ultimately, the answer is we got to take our power back. You know, I want to play for you a clip here. I don't know who this business owner is, but I mean, it's real. It's out there. So I'm just going to play it for you guys. I saw it. I don't know if he was the guy who originated it, but this guy Iver Cummins on Twitter, um, his Twitter handle is at Fat Emperor. Fat Emperor, you can look it up. Take two minutes to listen to this clip of this business owner frustrated. Take a listen. Anybody who's in the restaurant industry for just a minute, I'm part of that industry. I'm part of the restaurant industry, too, for any of you that are in it. And I just want to say one thing that's very important. Everybody in here has to understand. Probably Give every one more minute, business, guys. Probably everybody else with any business. We, we, we've been used to living very well, like Marie said. Very free, enjoyed our lives. Got to stop thinking like a victim criminal mentality. As the victim, oh, I'll just do whatever the criminal tells me to do. They'll let me go when I'm done. They don't want to let us go. They want complete freaking control of us. They don't want us going back to normality. So this is the time we got to stand up. Every freaking business has got to stand up and put these sons of down. Amen. Because if we don't, they're taking us out. That's right. I'm 60 freaking years old. I've lived all my life as an American. That's right. And Robbie's right. This isn't about Democrat or Republican. This is about American. That's right. And I am not ready to give my country up to these people so that they can ruin my life, everybody's life in here. We gotta stop them. We gotta grow this group. Like Marie said, here, state, country, global. We gotta really do this. This is is the time to be serious. If we're not serious now, and it ain't gonna take them long, you're looking at six, eight months. This coming summer could be an absolute freaking disaster for freedom, for patriots, for this country. We gotta do this now. Every day has to be serious. Forget about looking forward to next Christmas with your family, next Thanksgiving with your family. It ain't gonna happen if we don't stop them now, this year. So that's it, just keep going. Take this serious, take this freaking serious. I wanna finish my life owning my business. I said to Kelly this morning, all I want's my life back. I'm not looking for fame, I'm not looking for fortune. I wanna mow my lawn on a sunny Saturday morning Again, like I used to, and not worry about who the hell's coming to try to bomb my house, take it from me, and ruin my life. We gotta keep together, we gotta grow. Get the word out there. I'm not giving up. So neither should anybody here. I don't think you will. I mean, amen. Uh, Sorry for the you know curse words in there, but this guy has it right. Stop thinking, oh, I'm secure. Oh, I could do this. It will not end until we make it end. We're not going to win this intellectually because we already did. It doesn't matter. We have to take back the power. It's got to start at a local level. God bless that other woman in Target for just walking in and saying, I'm done. Didn't care about the ridicule. It's going to take more people doing this. Again, we're going to have to do it in groups. That it, 
you know, one person, God bless these people. It's not going to make a difference unless we do it in groups. You know, I got an email from a guy I really, I really admire. Um, one of our listeners, his name is Dave. And he, he just basically said that he, he was taking this, uh, course for accounting let me pull up this email david i was hired in august for seasonal tax prep work with a major national tax preparation business and basically he said you know he's semi-retired but he figured he'd do it because he enjoys doing it he invested 200 hours plus a 35 dollars fee in the company's unpaid training Lots more time than they required, but the courses were all online and available. And I had the time and interest to attend the sessions and do the homework. Two weeks ago, I was assigned to a certain company-owned office. And basically, he inquired about the mask mandate, and they said they have one. And he said that he can't function adequately while wearing one. So he told them he's not going to do it, and they terminated him. They wouldn't even put me into an on-leave status or even let me finish the last three days of classes. Quote, and you'll have to recertify if you come back next year. Two-tier justice system. But again, kudos to Dave. God bless you for doing that and you know losing out because of that. But we need to do this in groups. We need to organize Minutemen at a very local level and start targeting local businesses, local schools. Again, the sheriffs, the school boards. This is where the fight is going to be. There's no other way around it. We got to push for a new party, push for primaries, all the above at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. But if you think this will end on its own, I think it's become clear with the vaccine, they are not ending the panic porn and the martial law one bit because of the vaccine, as we warned. Not one bit. It doesn't matter how much damage is from lockdowns. It doesn't matter how much it doesn't help. I mean, dude, I I, I put out um, that analysis from Kyle Lamb and Justin Hart, the folks at Rational Ground, they did a terrific job. I, I I did this while I was away, so maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about it. If you want to see my article, scroll down. It's like you know three or four articles ago in my archives at, at The Blaze. But they did something that nobody else did, but it's so simple. They added up all of the days since May 1st where mask mandates were in place versus where they weren't in place. So, very simply, what they did, it's not just those that never had a mandate versus those that did. It's even those that did, they compared the days that they had a mandate versus the days they didn't. Just edited it all together. All 50 states. Okay? Since May 1st, or May 1st to December 15th, they found that there was almost a 56% greater degree of spread. So they pegged it to cases per day. Okay? There were So in other words, there were 17 cases per 100,000 per day 
in the areas and days with no mandate, 27 per day with the ones with a mandate. That's a 229-day period they studied. No one has an answer for this. Okay? In total, the states that had a mandate in effect, there were 9.6 million confirmed cases, over 5,907 total days that were studied. It's 229 days, but if you add up all the areas, you get 5,907 days worth. They average 27 cases per 100,000. Okay? The correlation is remarkable. Remarkable. And importantly, you know what they did? They gave them a 14-day grace period. In other words, let's say you had a mask mandate on June 1st. They included the cases up until June 15th against the tally of cases, uh, uh, the, the, the pile of their control group of the non-mask days. In other words, even though the mask mandate was in place, they actually included them in the non-mask days. So no one could complain, oh, it, 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 there's a lag time. It takes, takes time. They gave them the 14 days. I see people criticizing it, even though I wrote explicitly that they gave them the 14-day grace period. Some people have a reading comprehension problem. Okay? Now, then the proponents of the mass mandates suggest, well, all the mass mandates were imposed once cases already spread quickly. So there's like a negative bias of increased cases in the times and places that had the mandates because they put in the mandate in response. It's not true because, as we noted, this is true everywhere. There's a number of places that some places did it in response to the spread. Some places had it from day one, like California and Hawaii, when they barely had any cases and it didn't work. And then again, okay, you could say you had a big spread and that's why you had it. But then at some point, 15 days later, 30 days later, 50 days later, you would expect some sort of positive result. There is no evidence that at any time, many weeks later, they ever had better outcomes relative to those that had the same spread at the same time and didn't do that. And in fact, in three counties in Florida, Manatee, Martin, and Nassau, that allowed the mandate to expire after having implemented it, they had fewer cases per capita than those counties that kept the mandate. Okay? So they all did it in response during a spread, but the three counties that actually terminated had a better result. You know, I didn't want to say this until now because I don't want to do what the left does and just have arbitrary deadlines and say, oh, you know, masks work. I don't want to do the same thing and say masks spread it more. I've instead opted just to say there's just no efficacy. But there's enough evidence that I really do think because of all the reasons that true public health experts, including Fauci himself, said before it became political that it's going to spread it more. It is spreading it more. People touch it more. They reuse the masks. It's actually making it worse, like everything else we're doing. West Virginia is another state. Remember West Virginia, for months upon months, it, it's, it's a very low um, population density state. It's remote. It's mountainous. People don't travel there much. You know, if you're not from West Virginia, it's not exactly a major travel destination. They barely had cases, yet they already had a mask mandate in place. Several months before the spread. 
now cases have spread 1,507% since the mandate was put in. California is the ultimate example. Now, everyone says, well, perhaps there's a bias in that the areas with mass mandates, because the areas that are more conservative and tend to have, in other words, the areas that don't have a mask mandate are more conservative, and they just tend to be lower population density, rural areas. Okay, that's, that's a fair assumption. But here's the problem. Over the past few months, as the virus has spread rapidly to low population states and counties, the gap between urban and rural has evened out. Remember the first half of the virus, there was a huge gap. Now it's really evened out. It's gone everywhere. It's gone to all the states, all the counties. It's gone everywhere. So it's affected everyone. So, you know, it's, it's affected the rural areas just as much. Also included in the top line number of 17 cases per 100,000 in non-mask wearing states are also the larger states that did eventually adopt the mandate, but had prior days without the mandate in which the cases weren't counted, in which the cases were counted among the non-mandate data set. So therefore, the study is more apples to apples than simply taking places that never had a mandate versus those that always did over the same study period, right? For example, it included the days in your New York's and California's and whatever's that that didn't have the mandate and they did better. That's apples to apples because it's the same high population density area. They actually did better when they didn't have the mandate. But more fundamentally, they have amazing data from, from Florida that disproves the population density theory. They analyzed every single one of Florida's 67 counties. Florida is a great state to study because DeSantis has refused to institute a mask mandate. But 22 of the counties made an executive order at some point mandating it. And two of them, I know one of them is Miami-Dade, I'm forgetting the other one, had it in effect the entire period. The other 20 began at varying periods, the spring, summer, fall, so they studied the difference. Okay? What are the results? When counties did have a mandate in effect, there were 23 cases per 100,000 per day. When counties did not have the order in effect, it was 22. A tad less, but basically the same. What about population density? If you isolate the top 12 most populous counties in the state, eight of them had an effective mask man- mandate implemented at some point. Four of them, Brevard, Lee, Polk, and Volusia, never did. When, when the eight did have an order in effect, there were 24 cases per 100,000 a day. On the other hand, during the days when mandates were not in place, which is in the four counties that never had it, and then some weeks within the seven of the other eight except for Miami-Dade that had that didn't have it for certain periods, it was 17. <laughs> so again, same population density, the areas that didn't have it, and the times that the ones didn't have it, 17 as opposed to 24 for the ones that did. And compliance is through the roof. 
And again, you could look at, you could chart New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah had the same geographic time spread. Each did different things. Each had the same epidemiological curve. It didn't matter because it's geographical, it's timing, it's seasonal, it's natural. But then again, this was never about science and data. Because constitutional rights are not subject to science and data, even if they were right. Certainly the fact that they're wrong. It's about tyranny. Again, I hope to have at least one more show before the new year. We're not going to have five shows this week. Um, Hopefully we can get in at least three. I don't want to overindulge our staff here that really were supposed to take off, but, you know, Laura was so kind to help produce this show this week, even though it was officially time off. Thank you so much, Laura. But in the coming year, we need to throw everything we can. And that's going to be, some of it is using the political system, mainly at a local level. Some of it's primary, some of it's starting a new party. And some of it is just raw citizens rising up, meeting with their sheriffs, training and bringing the sheriffs in to what we're doing rather than having them being used against us. This is something I want to talk about in the coming months. Again, let's open up threads on this idea on our Facebook page, Miniman Speakeasy. Email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Till later this week, thank you for listening. Stay engaged, stay informed, and keep the faith. <laughs>